Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Congratulations again to the person who won the $1.35 billion Mega Millions jackpot uh, in Maine. It was sold at the Gas and Grill in Lebanon, Maine. Uh, that place is going to get 50000 for just selling the ticket. Congratulations. But there were $7 million winning tickets sold across the lottery game's other prize tiers, and we talked a little bit about that uh, yesterday. 14 tickets matched all five white balls to win a million dollars each. And so four of the winning match five tickets were sold in New York, and two were sold in California, then Florida, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Missouri, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Texas. And I tell you to double-check your tickets because there was a winning ticket sold in Texas back in July that's worth a million dollars that no one has claimed yet. It was sold at the Fuel Max on University Drive in Prairie View. Man, I think that might have been me. I, I think I may have been just passing through Prairie View, uh, Prairie View and I thought, you know, hey, there's a Fuel Max. <laughs> I'll stop by and win a ticket. Uh, I don't have it on me, but I'll get it to you as soon as I can. You have until Wednesday, January 25th, 2023 at 5 p.m. local time uh, before the lottery says, nope, sorry, no winner, take care. So the money goes back into a special little pot. So if you purchased a ticket or know someone that could have possibly purchased a ticket in Prairie View, Texas, back in July. Uh, you have a winning ticket for a million bucks. I hope you find it. I hope it's not lost. I hope you didn't throw it away. I hope it's not stuck between a car seat that you sold a couple of months ago because uh, that was a million bucks. Man, that would be a real bummer. Yep, you can quote me on that. Uh, losing a million dollar ticket or even one that's worth more, but for sure, just a million, man, that would be a bummer. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So I see where they claim China's population declined last year for the first time since the early 1960s. So that means that India is poised to take over as the world's most populous country very, very soon. We had the story not long ago about uh, Korea taking drastic measures to tackle population decline. I mean, they are giving out special bonuses for business. Uh, go take care of business right now in Korea, and we'll give you all kinds of cash. But I was looking at the top 50 countries with the largest population last year. Of course, we hit 8 billion people on the planet. So China is still number one, not by much though, 1.43 billion people. And India is right behind them with 1.42 billion people. And India will overtake them very, very soon if they, if China continues to be on the decline. The USA, well, according to the rest of the, uh, you know, USA has 338 million people. Indonesia has 276 million people. Pakistan has 236 million people. Nigeria, 219 million people. 
Brazil, 215 million people, and the rest of the countries are all, uh, you know, between no higher than 170 million and below. So uh, that's where we're at as far as uh, the world population. Now, they claim in 25 years, right, 2050, that's 20, without 27 years, uh, that India will have 1.67 billion people and China will have 1.32 billion people. America will be up to 375 million and the planet will have 9.7 billion people on it. So be ready for the, there's too many people on the planet. We cannot sustain. There's too many people on the planet. Just be ready for it, because a lot of it's already here, but it's coming. In the next, <laughs> we cannot sustain. And maybe like Hank Johnson said, uh, we need to be concerned about the entire planet. Not just Guam, as Hank was concerned about, but the entire planet. We need to be concerned about that it just might capsize. Well, they got him. Uh, so they claim uh, Matteo Messina Denaro, one of the bosses of the Cosa Nostra Mafia in Sicily and Italy's most wanted man, has been arrested by police while being treated in a private health clinic in Palermo. So they claim that they got him. Remember, they thought they had him, uh, I don't know, a few months ago uh, in The Hague. Remember that guy was eating at the restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> there was a British guy at a restaurant uh, last year and the mafia police uh, arrested him and uh, said, yeah, that's him. That's Denaro. And so then they said, oh, uh, no, uh, that's not him. Sorry, uh, it's uh, somebody else. <laughs> so, I mean, they've been after this guy forever. All right. And he's not, I mean, he's... Uh, He's, you know, I guess many would say he's not a good guy. Uh, he's ordered dozens of mafia-related murders, given several life sentences in absentia for his many crimes. Uh, I mean, in 92, for his involvement in uh, murders of anti-mafia prosecutors, he received a life sentence for fatal bombings in Milan in the 90s. So he's been, uh, you know, they've been after him for quite a while, and he's not really a a good guy. Uh, his father was not a good guy either. He's been wanted for nearly 30 years. He's the, one of the longest hiding fugitives in the world. And uh, apparently he was taken into custody at this uh, clinic yesterday. Good for him. Uh, there were, you know, they had hundreds of agents around the place. The clinic that he was arrested in was supposed to be, it's a plastic surgery place and other elective surgeries. So they don't know what he was doing there. Maybe he was, you know, finally getting some plastic surgery to change his look. Don't know. Uh, they just know that he was there. Really weird that they don't know. So I'm sure that's probably why he was there as he was getting some elective surgery or at least, you know, threatening the doctor like, uh, you're going to give me the work or I will kill you. <laughs> All right. Well, what are we going to do with that nose then? <laughs> so he's being held at a secret location. And we'll see if they put him in front of the judges or if they just, you know, throw him in prison. We'll see. Uh, he was born uh, into the business. His, uh, you know, his brother and his dad were all big time mafia guys. 
So he's, uh, it's a big deal if this is actually him. Now tomorrow they might come out and say, you know, this was the wrong guy. Uh, I know we, some of you thought you saw him back in September and we've got all these tips saying, there he is, that's him. And uh, yeah, sure, we were told he was at a farmhouse a little, little while ago and we went to the farmhouse to arrest him and no one was there. Sure, that happened. <laughs> uh, sure, but this time, this time we've got the right guy. Okay, all right, good. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be in jail. They may just let him go. I mean, that's what they did to uh, El Chapo's kid, right? They let him go because of the threats and violence of the cities. And then they just arrested him again ahead of uh, the big meeting with uh, Biden and Mr. Canadian Douche. But uh, who knows? I mean, there was all kinds of violence and a lot of people died uh, trying to arrest him. So they may let him go again. The U.S. wants to extradite him. But uh, we talked about that, I don't know, last week where they may, they've held up the extradition and he's in a Mexican prison. Uh-huh. We'll see. I see that uh, there's a story in the New York Post about a cartel hitman who decapitated his enemies and he used to record it and that was what he was known for and he's been he was supposed to be in prison here in the u.s for you know 49 years and he was uh at a federal prison in florida um yeah he's just gone now wait what yeah um edgar valdez a mexican-american cartel leader uh, he's just been removed from the Federal Bureau of Prisons website. Now, is he still in the prison? We don't know because uh, right now uh, he's not listed in the uh, custody of the penitentiary. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, La Barbie, <laughs> uh, his underworld moniker, uh, headed up in Los Negros, an enforcement group for the Beltran La Via cartel. And he also, he worked for the Sinaloa cartel as well, which, you know, that's El Chapo. But uh, we just know that uh, it says he's not in federal custody anymore. And so what happened to him? We don't know. According to the story in the Post, uh, there could be many reasons. Uh, inmates temporarily removed from the site if they're undergoing court hearings, medical treatments, or unspecified other reasons. Oh, okay. So, I mean, is are we using him to go against uh, El Chapo's kid in Mexico? So that would be unspecified other reasons? I don't know. This guy does not seem like the kind of guy... Uh, you know, I mean, he's videotaping himself beheading and torturing people for the cartel. Is he going to turn on the cartel now? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, but I don't know. And according to the, uh, the penitentiary, we don't provide specific information on the status of inmates who are not in custody. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, of course we can't do that. Uh, safety, security, or privacy reasons. Well, okay then, so he's just not in custody anymore? We don't know. We don't know. He's just not on the list. <laughs> All right, good. That makes me feel good. That does. That makes me feel real good. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cool to drink desperately. <laughs> Ah. <sighs> 
Oh, I see Jeremy Renner returned home from his uh, hospital stay to begin what they call a long road to recovery. Yeah. Uh, He issued a social media warning to be safe in deep snow (laughs) on the roads in Nevada. Yeah, no kidding. He he made it home. He uh, said he was happy to be home because he could catch the uh, premiere of uh, the new crime drama season two. Uh, he was, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, mayor of Kingstown, which is awesome show. I hope season two, uh, keeps up to the way season one was because season one was really good uh, on Paramount plus, by the way. Uh, he, I remember he was fixing uh, a neighbor, helping a neighbor who was stuck and he had a snowplow accident. I mean, they talked about, I mean, it ran over him. He was in, I mean, he almost died. Uh, the police report, the sheriff at the news conference said, right. He was, uh, uh, he was run over by an extreme, this is the sheriff speaking. Uh, I was, he was run over by an extremely large piece of snow removal equipment weighing at least 14,330 pounds called a piston bully. Okay. Uh, one of Renner's neighbors was there, a doctor placed a tourniquet on his leg until paramedics arrived. And then they, you know, airlifted him out to a local hospital. I mean, it ran over his whole thing. When you see the, uh, snowplow, I mean, I guess the, he didn't put the emergency brake on <laughs> What an idiot. And, uh, I, you know, I guess he tried to run up and put the emergency brake on. And, you know, those treads on the vehicle, if this is the main vehicle that was the one that ran over him, I mean, the treads are four or five feet wide. So uh, he probably thought he could jump up on top of the threads and, you know, run, you know, two steps into the cab of the snowplow. Nope. Trip and fall. That's probably what happened. I haven't heard that. It wasn't like he was just laying down in the snow in front of it, but I bet that's what happened. He just, he thought he was an actual superhero instead of being just a, a movie star. Yeah. It's not, it's real life there. Uh, Jeremy, it's not the movies. (laughs) He's been posting pics of his, uh, recovery in the hospital. And uh, we just don't know how long the full recovery, uh, will take, but you know, it certainly doesn't, matter how long it takes i mean he's uh you know he's alive and so you know he's home and i'm sure he has plenty of uh people that he can have come to the home to take care of him and you know make sure he goes through rehab and recovery and get him back to being uh jeremy around her and of course when he comes back it's gonna be oh yay He'll be, he'll be at the award shows and everybody will give him a standing ovation. It's so good to have you alive. Yay. Uh, maybe the new plan for Jeremy should be, why don't you hire the guy that lives in town to come up and, uh, you know, snow plow your driveway. Okay. I know you like driving the machines and I'm told that you have multiple snow plows cause you like running them. Maybe you give that up. Uh, just a thought though that's just me thinking out loud you do you jeremy i mentioned yesterday speaking of you doing you uh let's talk about kevin spacey he uh i mentioned yesterday that he pleaded not guilty uh to uh 
his charges in the UK. A judge agreed to join the seven-count indictment to an earlier five-count indictment, which contains four counts of sexual assault and one of causing a person to engage in sexual activity without consent, to all of which he pleaded not guilty to. The 12 accused accounts of sexual misconduct relate to one complainant and concern alleged offenses between 2001 and 2005. So uh, his next trial is set for June in the UK. And, uh, but he was just given the big award. Remember we talked about uh, the uh, National Cinema Museum in Italy had said that they were going give to give him award. And I wasn't sure that that was ever going to take place. Well, it did. <laughs> Amazingly, he got the award and uh, he taught a master class and he introduced a screening of his uh, American Beauty film, the sold out event advertised as the actor's first speaking engagement since his career was halted in 2017. Uh, he said, I'm truly blessed and grateful and humbled. And my heart is very full tonight toward the National Museum of Cinema for having had the La Pelle to invite me tonight, which is using the Italian word for a certain male reproductive organ. Uh, yeah, he was saying that he's very full tonight and he's thanking the National Museum of Cinema for having the balls to invite him tonight. <laughs> uh, by presenting this award, they're making a strong defense of artistic achievement, and for that, they should be applauded. Uh, yes, absolutely. Congratulations to uh, Kevin. And I guess he, he's got a new movie coming out, too, right? Uh, he's returning. I told you, he's gonna, they're going to wipe him. I mean, he's not going to be clean, but they will. It's Kevin Spacey. And, I mean, everyone loved his work. The guy is so talented. So if he can just, you know, stop being a douchebag, which is going to be very difficult for Kevin, uh, then we'll just we'll let him act and we'll let him be in movies and we'll let him go. Okay, that's where we're forgiving people, aren't we? Aren't we? I mean, we could forgive, can't we? I see where Andy Dick is arrested uh, for public intoxication and failing to register as a sex offender after he uh, grabbed an Uber driver's crotch a couple years ago. <laughs> he failed to keep his sex offender registration up to date. Okay. I, I mean, I know you're supposed to do it. I got it. He's had uh, countless arrests over the years amid, amid drug struggles. So Andy is, uh, is a struggling human. And I hope that he can, you know, turn his life around. Flash star Ezra Miller has pleaded guilty to breaking into a Vermont neighbor's home and stealing alcohol. Uh, so he gets no jail for that, though. Ezra uh, accepted a plea deal. They agreed to a suspended sentence of 89 to 90 days for unlawful trespass. And he's fined $500 and $192 surcharge placed on probation for the year. The two other charges were dropped including a felony burglary charge. Okay. So, good for him. Uh, Miller, who identifies as non-binary and uses they, them protons. <laughs> okay. Two other charges were dropped as we said that. He could have carried 25 years. You're not throwing him in jail for 25 years or breaking into a neighbor's house. No. So, uh, the unoccupied dwelling, he broke into the house and he was looking for ingredients for a recipe for their mother. 
He took bottles of gin, vodka, and rum. That's a good recipe right there. From the neighbor's pantry uh, on that day. Okay. Uh, he told the attorney he was grateful for love and support. So he broke in to steal booze. That's pretty much what he did. He was looking for drugs and he stole booze. So, you know, don't do it again, Ezra. Don't do it again. Real life, a little bit different than uh, the movies. When Jeremy found that out, uh, I believe Kevin found that out. We know that uh, it's time for you to find that out as well. Okay. Real life is different than the movies. You're welcome. So who died today? Who died today? C.J. Harris passed away at the age of 31. The American Idol contestant uh, died uh, on Sunday. He was 31, according to TMZ. The singer is reported to have suffered, say it with me now, a heart attack and was rushed by ambulance to the Walker Baptist Medical Center in his hometown of Jasper, Alabama. Uh, he, uh, was pronounced dead shortly after, uh, getting into the emergency room, which, you know, he probably, uh, was, uh, not alive in the ambulance. They just didn't want to, uh, pronounce him dead. So, uh, he was, uh, a 2014 top six. <laughs> he, uh, it, uh, at for American Idol. But the point is, is that he was 31 years of age and died of a, heart attack huh i know what you're thinking don't do it because it's something other than that don't even i don't want to hear your died suddenly stuff okay because whatever you're thinking it can't be that right right uh, who died today hector ramirez cameraman with 20 primetime Emmys. This guy shot all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, with the camera. He was 78 years of age. Uh, he was struggling with uh, a, a rare cancer, uh, esophageal cancer, I think it was. Uh, he, uh, he died in Granada Hills in California. Uh, by all accounts, a superior human being. Uh, he, up with 20 primetime Emmy Awards, more than a decade with Dancing with the Stars, worked on the Oscars, the Grammys, Elvis Presley, David Copperfield specials, Frank Sinatra, Sting, Cher concerts. I mean, this guy, amazing. Uh, very sad that uh, Hector Ramirez uh, passed away uh, at the age of 78 years. Uh, rest in peace. Also, uh, Earl Elmore Jr. Earl Elmore. L, Earl L. Period Moore Jr. Uh, dead at the age of 35. And you think, well, how did Earl L. Moore Jr. die at the age of 35? Well, this actually happened back in December. And said it wasn't a died suddenly. Well, it was, but it wasn't what you're thinking about when you think about died suddenly. Uh, apparently, two paramedics were called to save the man's life. Once again, it's not what you're thinking. Okay, he was uh, experiencing hallucinations from alcohol withdrawal and had required medical attention, according to the police report from Springfield, Illinois Police Department. Okay, so the paramedics show up and uh, Peter and Peggy, 
<laughs> Peter and Peggy show up and uh, they arrive. They take the, the patient and they throw him on a stretcher lying on his stomach. Now, that, everyone knows that's how you put people on a stretcher. <laughs> and it's, it's not funny because the guy died. So then they put him flat on the on the stretcher and then they tightened the medical straps across his back. Uh, they have body camera footage that's showing this. Just incredible. So there he went to the hospital and he was pronounced dead when he was at the hospital. And the coroner's report uh, claims that uh, the cause of death was compressional and positional asphyxia due to prone face-down restraint on a paramedic transportation stretcher due to straps across the back. Now, you'd think, uh, I'm not a professional. I am not a EMS worker, uh, and I, I don't have a license to be an EMS worker. I may pretend to be one from time to time, but I'm not one, okay? Uh, you would think that as you were training for an EMS person, you would think that uh, positioning a patient on a stretcher face down and then strapping the old strap as tight is not optimal. <laughs> I think that you would fail that question and that part of the test if you were to do that. But again, I have not taken the test, so I don't know that to be the case. But Earl Elmore Jr., uh, dead at the age of 35, rest in peace. Also, who died today? Who died today? Another humpback whale died today. That's right. Another humpback whale washed ashore uh, in the New York, New Jersey area. And they don't know why. Uh, they're just showing up on the shore. I would say be careful when you're walking along the New Jersey shore. Never know when the old humpback whale may wash up and run into you it's not funny it is not funny this is a seventh whale this is the seventh whale that has showed up on the coastline in the last two months <laughs> yeah how's that offshore wind energy project coming how's that going everything okay everybody all for that we all for that offshore wind energy yeah let's do it who cares about the whales i mean i'm not look look humans first that's uh, i mean that's a prime uh slogan of this show no question humans first i believe that you can follow me on twitter at jeffy jfr facebook and instagram jeff fisher radio uh subscribe to this show if you're not a subscriber if you're listening now and you're not a subscriber to this show you're a freeloader nobody likes freeloaders okay the show is free just subscribe everybody likes free stuff nobody likes a freeloader so if you're using some kind of one of your friends uh, podcast uh, platforms to listen to the show, thank you. But get one yourself, okay? And subscribe yourself to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Thank you. However, one of the you know one of the slogans of this show, humans first, no question. But you'd think that there's we'd like to find out maybe what the problem is. I mean, whales do commit suicide all over the world. So is it possible that the humpback whales, the seven, you know, were in a, a pod, a whale pod, a humpback whale pod, and they've been sick or something is wrong and they just decided, you know, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. And you know what? I'm up here. I'm along the East Coast. It's a pretty view. I'm just swimming onto the, onto the beach and that's where I'm going to die. It's possible. It is possible. 
but it does seem that maybe there's something to the old offshore environmental issues with the uh, the wind energy and uh, we're expanding that along the coastline and they want to do that off the coast of texas too yay we want the offshore wind energy projects to be just drill just set up all in the ocean it's wonderful i worry about tearing them down and what could happen to the to them after a storm comes by and all their parts are raging around let's not worry about that let's just worry about what could happen if uh if uh, just humpback whale dead rest in peace <laughs> be careful walking along the beaches of new jersey would you i don't want any i don't want any of you to get run down by a washing up humpback whale it's not a good thing you know what else is not a good thing i see where a delta flight uh, 737 a boeing 737 uh, flying out of jfk had to hit the brakes while they were taken off because an american airlines flight was crossing past the runway <laughs> so they're on the runway uh cleared for takeoff by the way and uh as they start you know and you know how you know prepare for takeoff right you get your seat belts on you got your tray tables up we're ready to go you're on the runway and you start hitting the gas <laughs> and then all of a sudden hey there's an airplane crossing up there he had to hit the brakes and uh you know everybody is kind of freaked out about that uh no doubt about it uh so uh they they stopped uh prior to hitting the other airplane uh you know when it was all done the pilot was like yeah we're gonna have to go somewhere and uh, run a couple of checklists and probably take make some phone calls (laughs) yeah we're just gonna go ahead and head back to the gate yeah no kidding i'm just gonna go ahead and Maybe clean my shorts out. Although probably not because the pilot is on top of things, right? So he was at that time traveling about 115 miles an hour down the runway. And uh, then uh, as he's just hitting the gas and, uh, you know, just starting to head down the runway to take off, he hears. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. Oh, no, cancel takeoff clearance and then hit the brakes. Because there's an American Airlines flight uh, crossing over your takeoff runway. <laughs> now, this happens all the time. You know, let airplanes land and cross takeoff uh, and landing uh, runways all the time. You just, you know, that's part of the airport business. But uh, you expect things to, uh, you know, work okay. That's why you have the air traffic controllers. You have apparently air traffic control told the American Airlines flight, hey, cross runway 31L at Kilo. But instead, uh, air, the, the American Airlines flight crossed runway 4 left at Juliet. So that was right in front of the old Delta flight. <laughs> uh, there were 145 passengers on board. Uh, and they just had to stop uh, after you know you start the acceleration. Think about how many times you've been on a plane and the acceleration starts out the runway. You're not even thinking about anything about having to hit the brakes. You're looking at how to you know getting off the ground. Nope, hit the brakes. I mean, at that split second, you are like, what? A WTF? Uh, and then if you finally come to a stop and a couple of the passengers were like, oh. at that time there was silence. 
<laughs> yeah, because everybody's like, oh. And so uh, while I would be angry that they didn't turn around and take off again because we've got to get to our destination, they did go back to the gate. They unloaded everybody. They gave everybody accommodations, and they got everybody on a flight the next morning, which, you know, good for Delta, although I still would have been ticked that you canceled my flight. Uh, how about you just turn this thing around? That's what you got breaks for. And we take off and we get to where we're supposed to go. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. But uh, no, no, we didn't take off until the next morning. But just know that uh, they were they. <laughs> our clear. All right, uh, fasten your seatbelts. Uh, tray tables in the upright position. We're preparing for takeoff. <laughs> now, you didn't hear, you know, if you're on the plane. You know, you're not hearing what the pilot is hearing. So all the passengers didn't hear. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the passengers didn't hear that, but uh, the pilots did. And that's when they hit the brakes. Because between that and seeing out their window, hey, isn't that another plane up there? It's supposed to not be there. Hit the brakes, my friend. Yeah, we're just going to go turn this thing around and go back to the gate. (laughs) So, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but man, do I miss being back in my hometown of San Francisco. I I left my heart in San Francisco. Oh man, I left my heart in San Francisco. There's no doubt about that. High on a hill, it still waits for me. Uh, apparently, uh, San Francisco now is uh, going to give reparations, or they want to. Uh, they've proposed a plan for from city officials to give uh, Northern California. Metropolitan San Francisco, they want to give $5 million to each black resident for forgiveness for facing decades of systemic repression. And uh, that's me. Man, that is me. <laughs> that is me. A lump sum payment of $5 million to each eligible individual. So, if you qualify for the payment, you must meet at least two criteria from a list of requirements, which include applicants to be at least 18 years of age of... Okay, I'm 18. uh, At the time the city enacts the committee's proposal. Uh, At least, uh, see, identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years. I mean, in my mind, I have identified as black slash African-American my entire life. Uh, Prove me wrong. And prove that they were born in the city between 1940 and 1996. Man, I can't. I was born born in a shack in downtown San Francisco. I was born at the docks (laughs) in Chinatown. And uh, I don't have the paperwork, but that's where I was born. So... <laughs> Other requirements from the report include residents that have lived in San Francisco for at least 13 years or personally been incarcerated 
or a direct descendant of someone imprisoned during the war on drugs, which the U.S. President Richard Nixon declared in 1971. The report reads that African Americans with less than the area median income, reflecting $97,000, would also receive supplements for at least 250 years. Racial disparities across all metrics have led to a significant racial wealth gap in the city of San Francisco. By elevating income to match AMI black people can better afford housing and achieve a better quality of life. Money fixes it all. The U.S. Census Bureau shows black residents total about 5.7% of the city's population. So the Chronicle reported that State Reparations Task Force believes that approximately $569 billion may be due to black Californians for housing discrimination alone between 1933 and 1977. Wow. Just, just, wow. Just, wow. We are... Every day we live in stranger times. I see where U.S. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, (laughs) love her from the 18th District of Texas. She's been a congresswoman since 1995. Wow. She has sponsored a House bill uh, titled House Bill 61. That's pretty ingenious right there. Uh, It's the bill leading against White Supremacy Act of 2023. It calls for a new type of federal hate crime conspiracy charge solely aimed at white people. Isn't that special? Isn't that special? Anyone who criticizes immigration or vilifies any non-white person or group in an article or social media post can be charged with this crime. They would face this charge if someone they have never met or communicated with is accused of planning, development, preparation, or perpetration of a crime. (laughs) Is it perpetration? Yeah. Perpetration. Perpetration. Say the word correctly. It's perpetration. It's the preparation or the perpetration of a crime. (laughs) I'll say the word right because this is just uh, an amazing thing to me. Um, That has... Uh, no, I would like to say no to this particular leading against white supremacy act of 2023 from Sheila Jackson Lee. I'd like to say no to this. And uh, there's nothing I can do about either one of them. But uh, I would like to say no to the California bill too on reparations as well. Um, just amazing. Just that's not what America is. It's not what America is. Sorry. Not what America is. You know, I see where Edward Norton Uh, the actor, discovered his ancestors' uh, owned slaves. And he said he's uncomfortable about it. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's okay. Uh, I'm I'm okay with you being uncomfortable about it. Uh, He said you should be uncomfortable with them. Uh, Everybody should be uncomfortable with it. It's not a judgment on you or your own life, but it's a judgment on the history of this country. It needs to be acknowledged first and foremost, and that it needs to be contended with. Yeah, okay, no problem. Now, look, we still have people uh, in slavery today. So uh, how about we take care of that? Now, I know that they talked about uh, uh, born into slavery and in slavery and perpetuity. No, uh, no, it isn't perpetuity. I can't even pronounce words anymore. 
perpetuity. It's not perpetuity. It's perpetuity. You know, a good podcast host would just edit that out. <laughs> but, but I'm not doing that because I'm not a, not a good podcast host. I'm, I'm telling you that I'm here. I'm, telling, I'm talking to you. And I said the word wrong. I'm sorry. Okay. So I know that we're talking about born into slavery and in slavery and perpetuity. No, it isn't slavery and perpetuity. It isn't that at all. Um, and I mean, his family, right? He said, uh, let's see, Norton said, when you read slave aged eight, you just want to die. Uh, it's revealed that Norton is distantly related to James Rouse, who founded the Rouse Company, a now defunct shopping mall developer. Uh, this was part of the Finding Your Roots show. Oh, well, congratulations on this show. Uh, and the episode featured Norton, uh, and it just aired, uh, Finding Your Roots. So if you want to find out just how close Edward Norton's roots are to slavery, you can watch Finding Your Roots uh, on PBS. I, I have not seen the show. I'm going to have to find it and watch it because there's nothing I want more than to watch Norton tell me how uh, he feels bad about his ancestors uh, owning slaves and uh, how it's not him, right? I know that uh, who's the guy that hosts the show? Oh, yeah, Henry Louis Gates Jr. Right, now Gates Jr. is the one talking about uh, a born into slavery and in slavery in perpetuity. No, sorry, uh, doesn't really work that way. Uh, Henry Hank Louis Gates Jr. But you go ahead and do your show, Finding Your Roots, on PBS. <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.